we're celebrating Christ the King Sunday. And I want to begin by asking you, what do you think of when you think of Jesus as a king? Now, if nothing comes immediately to mind, I don't think you're alone. After all, as modern Americans, we don't really have a lot of experience with kings. So actually, I polled my family about this the other day, and I asked what they pictured when they thought of a king. The responses were King Arthur, Aragorn from Lord of the Rings, and Jasmine's father from Disney's Aladdin, which technically I think is actually a sultan and not a king. Anyway, considering our ideas of kings, though, at least in my family, have been largely formed by British literature and Disney movies, we have some work to do to enliven our imaginations when we think about Jesus as a king. Yet we know that Jesus as king is an essential ingredient in our faith. After all, Jesus begins his ministry by announcing his kingdom. And we come to church every week, and we worship King Jesus. In fact, I think we come here because we know we need a king. My daughter started high school this year, and we've been going to a lot of high school marching band competitions on the weekends. And they're they're a lot of fun, and I love to go. But every time I go, I go with my mask and my clear plastic bag for my belongings, And now this just seems like a normal, unremarkable part of my routine. Our new normal is wearing masks to protect us from a virus that's killed over 5 million people and carrying clear bags to help keep our children safe from a mass shooting. And then on Friday, you no doubt heard the news announcing the verdict in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Mr. Rittenhouse, who shot two men dead and wounded another during protests about police conduct in Kenosha, Wisconsin, was acquitted on all charges. Now, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this news. As a lawyer, I have great respect for our judicial system. But then I also know it's an imperfect human institution and injustices do occur. But once again, Our country is mired in conflict, communities are in pain, and wounds are far from being healed. Creation is groaning for a king who can enter into the brokenness of our world and make things right. And people look for kings, and presidents, and politicians, and celebrities, even in charismatic church leaders. But we look to the real king, King Jesus. And what does that king look like? In our reading from Daniel today, we see one picture of Jesus as king. Daniel has a vision of the coming of the Son of Man, which Christians understand as Jesus. And in his vision, God, with white hair and robes, sits on a throne of fire. And the fire is flowing out from his throne. God takes down the beast, which we we understand to be all the dominant powers at that point in history, Babylonia, Persia, Medea, and Greece. Then the Son of Man, like a human being, comes on the clouds of heaven and joins God. In this vision, 
we sing King Jesus up there with God in the clouds on a throne of fire. He'll come back someday, take down our enemies, and make everything right. This certainly seemed to be the vision that his disciples had in mind, of a powerful and conquering lion who'd take out the Roman Empire and and reestablish Israel to its rightful place. Then we have our reading from Revelation today, which, like Daniel, it also opens with a vision of Jesus coming on the clouds. And if you continued reading through Revelation beyond what we read today, you would again come to a description of God sitting on a throne surrounded by fire. But here's where it starts to get strange. It's like the image from Daniel is a mirror that's been dropped. And we're picking up the mirror and looking at the image that's kind of the same, but not exactly. In Revelation, Jesus approaches the throne again, but this time it's not as a human, and it's certainly not as a great king. It's as a slaughtered lamb. Is that what we have for our king? A slaughtered lamb? Meek? Humble? Innocent? Broken? One scholar refers to this as perhaps the most mind-wrenching rebirth of images in literature. But of course, this image of Jesus as a slaughtered lamb, it doesn't appear in Revelation out of nowhere. It gathers together and embodies images we see throughout Israel's history. And perhaps the most obvious is the Passover lamb. As you know, this is the lamb the Israelites sacrificed when they were enslaved in Egypt, so that the angel of death would pass over their houses and spare their firstborn. The sacrifice of the Passover lamb allowed the Israelites to escape from slavery and from death. And the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross allows us to escape from slavery, slavery to sin, and from death. Jesus ascended the throne as a slaughtered lamb, not as a pristine white lamb, because he carried sin with him. He took all of our tragedy and pain, whether it's the result of our own sin or it's something that's happened to us because of somebody else's sin. He took it on himself so that we could be free. As the Apostle Paul writes, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Or as we read in Revelation, We have come out of the great ordeal. We've washed our robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. In this kingdom, whose sovereign is gentle and humble and overflowing with self-giving love, is the only kingdom that will last. We read in Daniel that the kingdom of Jesus is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away, and his kingship is one that shall never be destroyed. This kingdom, whose kingdom, whose king knows suffering and injustice, who himself was wrongfully accused, tortured, and executed without justification, this kingdom will win. His resurrection demonstrates that he is more powerful than all the oppressive powers on this earth and beyond. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty.
So earlier I compared the kingdom of the slaughtered lamb in Revelation to an image in a broken mirror. Actually, I think that this kingdom, where power is derived not from winning elections, subjugating the weak, accumulating wealth, or a million likes on social media, but from total self-giving love, this is the picture of how things should be, and it's everything else that's distorted. So King Jesus has freed us from slavery and has given us new life. He gives us hope for a new humanity of justice, peace, and plenty. But to what end? For the Israelites, God had a purpose in mind when he released them from enslavement by Egypt. Whenever Moses asked Pharaoh to let my people go, it was always so that they could go and worship God. And when they were finally free, God told them that if they obeyed his voice and kept his covenant, they would be a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. Likewise, Jesus the Lamb was sacrificed, not so that we could find personal fulfillment, but so that we would be free to worship God and to become a kingdom of priests. And it's not at some distant point in the future. Every week we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our work as priests and the kingdom of the slaughtered lamb begins now. Christ the King Sunday, 2021. So what does that look like? Well, you have to answer that question for yourself based on the context where God has uniquely placed you. For me, I want to take you back to that band competition I mentioned earlier. I mentioned that as a mother, I'm anxious about my children. But not only because of COVID and mass shootings. At the competition, the signs I'm waving, the comparisons I'm making to the other bands, the predictions about who will win, it's not all just school spirit. It also masks a deeper anxiety I carry about raising my children in a world of scarcity. There's a part of me that wants my children to be the best because the kingdom of the world rewards winners, and I want to make sure they don't get left behind. But then I remember that I am a priest in a different kingdom, a kingdom rooted in God's perfect love, and the same God who tenderly knit these children and placed them in my care watches over them still. And I remember that there is no place for scarcity in this kingdom, with people pitted against each other, competing for resources, where some become full while others go hungry. We read in Revelation that in the kingdom of the slaughtered lamb, they will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. This is the reality we are headed for. But it is also the reality we are responsible for working towards as subjects in his kingdom. And once I remind myself that the kingdom to which I belong, then I can go about my kingdom work. 
instead of sizing up the competition, I can sit in the joy of just watching all of these delightful children perform. I can open myself up to the parents around me, whether or not we are even on the same team, and listen attentively and compassionately as they share with me how much they've struggled with virtual schooling and isolated children over these past few years. And I pray. I pray for these children that God will pour out his goodness, his protection, and provision into their lives, knowing that for some of them, I may be the only person they have who is praying for them. Life as a priest in the kingdom of the slaughtered lamb is full of these moments. We are surrounded by them. They may be chances, like I described, to just show small gestures of love to a neighbor. Or they may be significant contributions to making a more just and equitable society. The Spirit will show them to us if we pay attention. And as Jesus said, everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. But whatever they are, life in the kingdom becomes about responding to the opportunities for people to see in us a window into the goodness of God. So I want to invite you now to take a moment and ask the Spirit to be present as you picture Jesus the King as a slaughtered lamb, a king who knows and is present with you in your sufferings, who accepts you with your sin, takes it on himself and makes you pure. And picture yourself as a priest in the kingdom of the slaughtered lamb, a kingdom that calls you to release your anxieties and open up your hands in generous love. And as we take this moment together in silence, I want to leave you with these words from a well-known hymn that describe life in this beautiful kingdom. Thy bountiful care, what tongue can recite? It breathes in the air, it shines in the light. It screams from the hills, it descends to the plain. Thy mercies, how tender, how firm to the end. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.